Let's pray. Father, open my mouth that I might speak words that please you and show forth to us all the good things you have for us in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. This is a sermon about what really matters. Life is full of trouble. Things go wrong. We always have to deal with some setback or another, and some of those setbacks are pretty serious. They might be health issues, they might be financial issues, they might be family conflicts or friends that are going through terrible times, betrayals or bereavements or being the victim of some injustice. And there is a danger, especially at times, of being overwhelmed by what goes wrong in life. And there's a need we all have to learn wisdom, wisdom in coping with setbacks and troubles. Philippians is a letter, I think, that can help us to learn Christian wisdom, to learn from Paul's example to see what really matters in the stuff of life, in all its troubles, setbacks, joys and sorrows, to see where peace and joy can be found and are to be found in the midst of trouble. And I hope, if you stick with us, that you come to agree with me about this. So today what I want to do as we start Philippians is I want to kind of introduce you to the whole letter in a a way Um, and to in particular think about what does Paul focus on in the midst of his troubles, which we'll hear about. And then at the end I'll reflect about our troubles and how we might take something from what we hear in Philippians. So firstly... I want to say three things about the letter to the Philippians. It's a letter of, firstly, reassurance, secondly, recalibration, and thirdly, recognition. Reassurance, recalibration, recognition. Firstly, reassurance. As Paul and Timothy are right, they address themselves to God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. And this letter was written by Paul from a state of imprisonment. He refers to his chains. He is probably in Rome, although he doesn't say exactly where he is. It is possible that he's perhaps in Ephesus or somewhere else. But he's in Rome. Uh, perhaps he's awaiting a trial, this is certain. And the trial you know, could go well and see his release, or it could go badly and see even his execution. Uh, he's in prison because... Uh, His ministry as a servant of Christ Jesus has stirred up trouble for him. And it says in 1.13, just a little bit beyond where we've read to, I am in chains for Christ. His friends in Philippi are very concerned about him. Philippi was a a city in Macedonia, a very Romanized city, and Paul had planted the church there. And if you want to read the exciting story of that, jot down Acts 16 now and go and read it later today. The story of Paul's visit to Philippi, the first church Paul planted on European soil. Uh, and relations between the Philippian Christians and Paul were very good, very warm. And the church had sent a fellow called Epaphroditus to Paul carrying a gift of money and with readiness to help. 
And in 4.18, Paul acknowledges this gift. I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. And now Paul is sending Epaphroditus back to Philippi. Uh, And in all probability, Epaphroditus is the one carrying the letter to the Philippians back to them. And this letter is full of reassurance for the Philippian Christians that Paul is okay despite it all. They may have heard that, gosh, he's been arrested, he's been dragged off in chains, he's going to Rome, he's facing trial. But Paul says, look, I'm, I'm fine. In fact, I'm thankful, I'm buoyant, I'm joyful. So uh, what we heard in verses 3 to 6 of chapter 1, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. This is a very buoyant, joyful beginning to his address to the Philippians. And he goes on uh, a little bit beyond what we've read. Let me read you chapter 1, verse 12, where he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. It's good news, actually, in some ways. Or chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, he says, I will continue to rejoice. I'm rejoicing and I'm going to go on rejoicing, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So the Philippian Christians can be reassured that Paul is not crushed, he is not fearful, not despairing, not frustrated. He is in many ways rejoicing and thankful for many things. So there's one purpose of the letter. Here's a second, recalibration. And what I mean by that is, as well as reassuring the Philippians, Paul wants to recalibrate their sense of what matters most. Because if they're kind of in despair that Paul's been put in prison, Paul wants to say, look, that actually isn't important. It's not the most important thing. It's not the the thing that matters in the end. And we can see this desire of Paul to kind of recalibrate the Philippians' sense of what's important. It comes in in the prayer of verses 9 to 11, where Paul says, look, I pray with joy when I remember you, and this is my prayer, verse 9. I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. At the heart of this prayer is a prayer for insight, for knowledge, for discernment for the Philippians. It's as if Paul is saying, look, you Philippians have love. I know that. I feel that. You've you've expressed your love. Uh, I am praying that your love would abound in knowledge Your love would abound in depth of insight and your love would abound in discernment. In other words, I'm praying for you for a wise love so that you will be able to discern what is best. And that little phrase, what is best, kind of means uh, what's most important, what's really significant, what matters above all, what rises up to the top of of priorities and, and really important things. And throughout the letter, Paul is going to concern himself 
with what really matters and of commending that to the Philippians. And so again, let me read you a couple of excerpts. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 27, he says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, good or bad, this one thing do. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. If you get that right, well, that's what matters. That's what's best. Or chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, Paul speaks about his own attitude to life. He says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Again, Paul is saying there is something of surpassing worth, something that is best, that is most significant and most important, and that thing is knowing Christ. I consider everything else garbage if I may gain Christ. Uh, Chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, a little later. One thing I do, he says, one thing, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So here's a fellow who has a clear idea about what's really important, what's worth striving after what's worth valuing what's worth doing in all circumstances and he wants to commend that to the philippians he wants to recalibrate their ideas about oh no you're in prison that's terrible and paul says well that's not really important what's important is that whatever happens we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of christ or chapter 4 verse 4 rejoice in the lord always i will say it again rejoice Always, whether things are going well or badly, rejoice in the Lord. Because he's the reason you can rejoice. The Lord is with you. You share in his grace. And so here at the beginning of the letter, Paul already is concerning himself first and foremost with, well, what's important. And for Paul, it's important, uh, the fellowship in the gospel that the Philippians and Paul share in, that's important. And so when he prays in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 1, he says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That's the thing that's buoying me up. That's the thing that cannot be taken away by my chains. Good news from God is going out into the world. That is the gospel, the announcement about Jesus Christ, about his death and resurrection, his death for our sins, his resurrection to God's right hand and his reign, his reign of love and forgiveness, his call to repent, all these things, that's going out in the world. And Paul, well, he has been at the forefront of that work, right? But he's seemingly sidelined now, taken out of action, put in jail. But but Paul knows that that work goes on. And the Philippians share in it too. They're doing it at Philippi. They're broadcasting that message. They're supporting Paul as he has been planting churches and caring for them. And remembering all this, this is a great joy to Paul, even in jail. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. 
And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. This is the important thing. This work, the work of the gospel, the grace of God that it speaks of, the gift of sharing in that work together, this is what matters to Paul. It matters more than if he's in jail or if he's free. And so, Paul, firstly, he wants to reassure the Philippians he's not downcast, he's not defeated. He wants to also recalibrate their sense of what is best, what's most important. And thirdly, Paul wants to recognise something, a gift that the Philippians have given, because Philippians is also, at the end, a thank you note, a thank you note for help received, a recognition of their generosity. And so when Paul says in verses 4 and 5, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, he's already thinking about what he's going to address later in the letter, which is the fact that Epaphroditus has come with a gift. There's been very practical ways that he wants to acknowledge and recognise. And so if we look ahead to chapter 4, verses 14 to 18, he says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, but what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment. I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Because the Philippian church valued the mission work that Paul did, they sent him funds so that he could keep going. Because the Philippian church loved Paul, when he was imprisoned and needed support, they sent an emissary, Epaphroditus, with more money, and Paul is grateful and he says it. So, there is a little introduction to the letter of Philippians. It's a letter of reassurance that Paul is buoyant despite his circumstance. It's a letter of recalibration. Don't worry too much about that. What matters most? And it's a letter of recognition. Thank you for help given and received. Our partnership in the gospel. And so let me just finish by reflecting then. What shall we say, having heard this and considered it? Well, let's ask ourselves the question, what is really important to you and I? Uh, When something important to us is threatened by some circumstance. We call it trouble, a setback. We have a plan and uh, we hope to get somewhere or do something or be free of something and, and then that plan is threatened and it's a setback, it's a trouble. Maybe some physical trouble might take away our mobility or our independence. It might take away activities we enjoy. Maybe it's even threatening to take away our life. There might be some financial setback that threatens our plans, our plans to retire or travel or school our kids. Now these and other troubles, and we could name many more that really are happen in life, they're not nothing. They really are difficult. But, Christian, 
They are not everything. However disastrous things may become in your life, if you share in God's grace, if you love the work of the Lord and the Lord of that work, if you desire whatever happens to conduct yourself in the manner worthy of the gospel, if you treasure the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus your Lord, then it puts all of those troubles in a new perspective. And you can actually have a reason for joy, for confidence, for resilience and hope, and for acting meaningfully in all your setbacks and troubles. A remarkable testimony was shared at the men's convention yesterday, which I went to. I can't compress the 20 minutes into a few, but let me have a go. Uh, there was a, a man who's a very successful businessman. Great drive, great wealth, and on the surface of it, great life. But he was empty inside, he testified. Was planning his own suicide. He came to know Christ. He didn't look for Christ. Christ came and grabbed him by the scruff of the neck. And in a moment, really, he was utterly changed. And because he was so changed, his business partners sought to dispossess him of his part in the business. And he let it all go. He considered it a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus his Lord. The thing that he had worked so hard at, cared so much about, suffered so much for, was not so important to him anymore that he couldn't let it go and say, I don't need it. I've got Christ. That's what's really important. This happened here in Perth in the last five years. God does amazing things in people's lives. They've completely recalibrated life for a 50-year-old man, recalibrated his sense of what really matters. So I think as we go through Philippians, we can ask where might our hearts and minds need some of this recalibration, this ability to discern what is best, what really matters. That is knowing Christ, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel, being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So as we go out, wherever we need to go, relating to school friends or teachers, to brothers or sisters, sons or daughters, mothers or fathers, co-workers or clients, opponents, enemies, whoever it is. Let's pray that God recalibrates us so that we discern what is best to think and say and do in order that we might be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Teach us, Lord, what really matters. Give us depth of insight so we can discern what is best, how to succeed graciously, how to fail with courage and integrity, how to endure with hope and joy, and all because we know Christ. Whatever happens, Lord, teach us to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel.
because we share in your grace. And give us joy in the work of the gospel and in those with whom we share this work. Begin, continue and complete your good work in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.